Hello and welcome to Look See, the podcast for the art curious. I'm Paige Goodpasture, and today my guest is Sarah Miser. Sarah is an artist who works in glass and on paper, and in her work, she explores themes of time and fragility. And I would say, having seen her work, that light itself is definitely one of the materials in Sarah's work, both on paper and in glass. And in her beautiful gallery in Northside, Almas, she definitely uses the light pouring in through the enormous storefront windows to full effect to show off the beautiful things inside to their full advantage. The gallery does a great job of combining handmade everyday objects and adornments with fine art. I love visiting Sarah at Almas because she is such a fantastically generous tour guide for the artists and works on display. She always engages me on a deeper level with the work every time, and I'm excited for her to take us all on a tour of her latest exhibition, In Season. And this show celebrates food in a really fun and beautiful, but also deeply profound way. Each of the artists uses food imagery as a tool for communicating with the viewer. It's funny, it's gorgeous, it's exquisitely crafted, and it's profound. So welcome, Sarah, and I'm excited for you to tell us about this fabulous show. Aw, thank you for having me. Thanks for inviting me and letting me talk your ear off a little bit about food. <laughs> yeah, so let's just jump right in and let's take a walk around the gallery virtually and talk about the artists and works that you have on view right now. Sure. So the in season is featuring five artists from all over the country. The artists are at different stages in their career, as are most of the shows that I try and curate for this space. And they have a commonality in what it is they're doing with their use of imagery. And so the show features Christina Araves, Jose Flores Nava, Zoella Jarman, Joanna Powell and Megan Stalgis. And the thing that they have in common is their use of food, where they go with that and how they're exploring those images, they diverge. So I'm gonna start with, let's see, I'm just gonna start with like image one and then go around the room. So we have Jose Flores Nava, his piece titled $5 Dream is a square of really electric turquoise painted directly onto the wall with a um, plastic mesh bag holding seven oranges that are slip cast out of terracotta. Jose leaves all of the labor marks very visible in his work and he intentionally asks for the work to show its process. So when he's presenting these pieces, he wants the, the slip cast whole. So the actual, the, the tool that he's using to create these images, he wants that very present in the work. And the reason he wants that labor present is because he wants to be talking about labor and what it is we value within the food we eat, but also within the work we look at. And so he is a 
artist who is coming to the United States from Mexico. He's a DACA recipient. He's an educator. He has his, both his BFA and his MFA from Cal State Fullerton. His work has a lot to do with themes of migrant labor, value, and the elevation of these very basic images. So he uses food that he directly has a relationship to. So he uses oranges, fruits of Southern California that are grown in those farms there, but then also foods like potatoes and um, zucchini and other crops that would be generally harvested through migrant labor practices. And so with all of his work, he is employing color in a very, very intense way and has a really lovely way of thinking about that use of color too. It's on one hand, like in $5 Dream, this work is electric. The, the red mesh net is vibrating against the turquoise. The color of the terracotta is absolutely amplified by its opposite color behind it, that turquoise. And so he's, he's using color to help bring the eye more energetically towards his work than what would normally be happening. So if that, if that net was on a white wall, it would be so much less activated. So he's absolutely using color to help reiterate that underlying value system. So if I was to go next to him, it's actually another piece of his blue bowl and it's a still life piece. At this point, he's using coloring agents to add to these still lifes. So he's throwing the bowl, he's slip casting the work, the labor marks are still present. The kind of inconsistencies of slip casting are present. The nature of the terracotta, so the actual clay is less present because he's painted it. But instead of using glazing or any other kind of archival, <laughs> well-respected traditional techniques that we would come to assume for ceramicists, he's using house paints to color the work. So um, in this case, he has a two-tone interaction where it's the base coat is a very vibrant ultramarine blue, and then the top coat is a very pale blue. So it almost looks like it has specialty lighting on it because it it is hard for the eye to discern what it is that you're looking at because the color is also super matte. So that finish, the, the intensity of the color, the layering of the color is all helping to get the viewer to slow down and pay a little bit better attention to the labor marks. And again, with Jose, all of that work comes back to labor. And then continuing around the room on the wall, we have Megan Stalgis, Unlucky Banana. I love this work because of the contrast. I mean, it's humorous, but also just the contrast in the finishes and textures and things. So do your best to describe it to us a little bit as you're talking about it. I'm not going to do it justice. I, I, I can tell you that. But um, so Megan's work is, it's uncanny to look at because the, the banana part of it is so hyper-realistic although the scale is bizarre and, um, you know, enlarged and also a little bit inflated looking. The colorants, the, the way she's, the, her technique of applying color is just, it, I don't even understand it. As somebody who's been working in glass for 20 years, it blows my mind. It's all, it's all hot, hot glass. So she's, she's putting that color on 
in powder form, in glass form. It's not something that's painted after the fact, even though it looks like it's a trompe painting or something. With Megan's work, she has a very strict line that's separating the banana from the rest of the glass horseshoe shape. And that, um, that horseshoe shape is made of, again, solid glass that's blue. And so again, here, like with Jose, the color that's being employed are opposites. So that, that line of demarcation becomes really intensified. You, you start to really pay attention to the back and forth between something that we all immediately recognize as glass to something that we all are trying to kind of figure out what the material is on the other, on the other end of it. And then also the way it's been bisected so that the banana kind of falls at the same horizon line on both sides of the horseshoe. It, it's, I think, just one of those pieces where you kind of it feels to me like a cartoon, like where you're looking at Looney Tunes or something and, and they've been stretched and then <laughs> like their, their insides become this kind of Gumby-esque rubber-based material that allows their hands to be in two different places at the same time. It's just so incredible because it's this really, I mean, gorgeous aquamarine, blue, luscious glass and then on the tips, it's the tips of the bananas. They're very realistic down to sort of the age spots and the stem of the banana is blackened the way that, you know, a maybe almost overripe banana would be. And it's matte. And the color is brilliant. The, how she did that. I know. While we're talking about her... Let's um, describe her other pieces that you have um, that are also equally amazing in terms of technique and. Sure. Yeah. So we have a bunch directly behind me and it's a bunch of bananas with pink tips on it. And one of the things that I think is hilarious about listening to people as they come in and interact with this work is they all are, it's really funny. Like it's funny work, right? It's like a banana bunch that's made out of solid glass and it's beautifully crafted. It's really well-made, but at the same time, at the end of the day, we're looking at a bunch of bananas with pink tips on it. So it's pretty funny. And so what, a, what, a I like about it is that people who are coming in and interacting with it are really sheepish to admit that it looks like condoms going on to the tip of a banana. And I'm like, yeah, that that's absolutely what it looks like. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> and so the, I think one of the things that I like about Megan is because her work is so well-crafted, the humor becomes even more present because I think people respect, you know, well-crafted things automatically. And so there's a value system that's there. And when you have something that has such a like tongue in cheek kind of way of dealing with humor and the body and this everyday object, I think that it, it it's conflicting for a lot of people who don't really know how to resolve that <laughs> inner conflict. And that's what I love about watching, watching people interact with that piece. Cause I think the first, the primary reaction is like, oh my gosh, what it is, what is this I'm looking at? And then the secondary reaction is like a little, very, very small giggle. <laughs> it's cute. And I, I think she'd really like that. <laughs> um, and then the other piece that she has is uh, banana meat and flesh. And that is an engraved, hot sculpted banana 
that's been taken out of its peel. And so the peel is on a plate, the plate, and then that is the, the banana meat is on top of the peel. And so it looks like a still life that you might see in your home. The, the kind of funny thing about this is the color of the plate. So she's using like a bizarre, peachy, fleshy toned plate that is not really very familiar to me as far as like how I would present a banana to anyone. And so there is something kind of, um, again, uncanny about the her use of that Trump loy use of imagery, but then also putting it onto something that feels a little bit askew. Just like these other two pieces, you know, there's this immediate, although sort of sheepish and reluctant association with the body as well, because the plate is sort of this fleshy body color. And it's just interesting the way that all of these artists, but she uses psychology Mm-hmm. Our own, you know, the viewer's psychology is really part of her work. People's reactions and even their unspoken reactions. And, you know, she's sort of anticipating that in the way that she's presenting these really gorgeously, exquisitely crafted glassworks. Yes. I think one of the things that I respond to with her work is that you don't see that a lot in glass. You know, I think I think that she is kind of special in the field for what it is she's doing because she's taking that skill set that takes years to develop, honestly, and oftentimes is so narrow focused that you don't spend as much time kind of fleshing out the the conceptual departure points for your skill set. And so I think you hit it on the head. It's it's not something you see often in glass. Yeah, it's pretty great. And the other thing about that piece that I that I respond to is that it, it again, it's that, that cartoon imagery where it, it really is that banana peel on the floor kind of image where you're just like, it feels like it's part of a, a sentence that is hilarious. Well, and so... While we're talking about bananas, so tell us about the artist whose work is uh, sort of arranged on the back wall, who also works with banana imagery, among other things. Yeah, that's Christina Araves. And uh, Christina's work is probably the closest to my heart out of the work in this show. I really identify with it just personally in that she thinks of her work oftentimes as being in motion. So all installations, all of her kind of clustered images are meant to be subtracted from and added to daily. And so she's really thinking about them as they would exist in a house, you know, like where you start out with a dozen eggs and then two days later you have six eggs and that's okay. And so she's she's absolutely thinking about them in a very domestic way. And so when she, to that, this, the install that we have 
as shown is is sold individually so the pieces the elements are meant to be subtractive and are meant to go into lots of different homes and um, she's really thinking about that along the lines of like feeding and sharing food and so what I love about her work is that it has that relationship back into her home and then also into kind of the foods that she's eating, but also like foods that she thinks have this kind of ability to propel a narrative. And so when I asked her to participate in this show, I, 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 I said like literally anything and everything. I did, like, you know, it's food-based show and I love your work and go. <laughs> and so what was hilarious about that was, you know, cause shipping it's crazy time of year and things are slowed down. And so we got one box and it had what seemed super random. So it had like a hand, two eggs, a piece of pizza and half of a sandwich. And I was like, okay, <laughs> this, is what I, this is what I got. And so when I emailed her and she's like, oh no, there's a whole nother box coming and there's a lot more stuff coming. And I was like, oh, and then what was funny about like five days later when the second box arrived, it was funny because it didn't feel more complete. <laughs> like I still was like, mm, still an incomplete thought, still hilarious <laughs> like, and still very fragmented. And so I, I really, <laughs> I love that about her. Like I love that to her, all of these images are together and they are collaged into a narrative that makes sense. And that is of her home, that is of her interests and in a very genuine, sweet way. And yet it's, it's like super bizarre and it, you feel like you're climbing into her head and it's just a really great, awesome, tasty place to be. <laughs> so I mentioned at the beginning that light seems as though it's it's a definitely a material in your work and and in your gallery and it's something that's intangible and an element of nature uncontrollable to an extent and like air and here she is using she's trying to bring time into her work in a way even though it's things but the whole idea of one day you have a dozen eggs and then the next day you have six eggs or you have a bunch of bananas and then you have one or a half a sandwich because the other half has been eaten or it's just so interesting the way that that she is trying to express that idea that that everything is a moment in time and in her work and sort of make it possible as much as you can and in her way to convey that idea. Yeah. Yep. I, I think that within her work, I, th the first time I was introduced to her work, I, it was a, I feel like she was at a residency and I saw a kind of cumulative uh, install of her work. So it was, she had created a clay table scape. So the entire piece was this terracotta hand painted you know, kind of similarly crafted vignette that was this domestic space with all of this food just kind of overflowing. And she talked about that work as being like, by the time it was over, it was just the table. And I thought to myself, like, that is so lovely. That means you had a really great feast. You know, you had, you had the right people over and it just, 
it, I, I think it's just kind of one of those things that's planted a seed and for me that I can't let go of. I think it's super, super sweet. The next person next to um, Christina is Zoella. And so Zoella is our Richmond person who's in this show. And we're lucky enough to have her BFA show from her, her uh, 2019 Craft Material Studies BFA show. And so we don't have the entire show but we do have all of the, show, the components of the show that employed the use of peaches. <laughs> and um, when I approached Zoella about this work, one of the things that I was talking to her about that I thought was alive within her work was the idea of the Vanitas paintings, where we're talking about this moment of overabundance right before it starts to decay and how her work somehow is precious, especially the enameled pieces, they're so precious. And then kind of that emoji, that peach emoji that she's using over and over again within the work is like on one hand you read it, <laughs> like we're so used to reading emojis now. But on the other hand, you, you think about it because enameling is such a slow labor intensive process that you, like for me, I, 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 kept, I found myself really wondering about why on earth someone would choose to enamel the peach emoji. And again, this is a little bit similar to Megan Stalgis's work where you're looking at high craft and technique and this kind of really base level of communicating. What I loved about talking to Zoella about that was that she <laughs> she actually is so thoughtful about the peach itself and the the like the juiciness of it, the, the like the the experience of the perfectly ripe peach and then also how that does relate back to the body, to women's identities and to thinking about it in a cultural kind of moment in time when we're over exaggerating the peach emoji. And so it was, it really, to me, was this contemporary vanitas, right? Where she's, she's just absolutely thinking about all of those concepts dead on, but she's doing it in a way that is communicating to a different generation. And I think that that's really special about her work. And then she also has these hand-painted silk tote bags that are market bags that are oversized. They are precious and that they're using velvet, silk velvet and silk uh, material that's very fine. And then she's hand painting them with these peaches. And then they're pieced together in a way where you see every stitch, there's loose seams here and there. It's in, so they're on one hand, very special. And then on the other hand, super accessible. And I think that that's something that's really important to her when she's, when she's thinking about this body of work. I'm happy to have her work in here because especially with the handbag, the tote bags, because it is definitely a different language. It is removing itself from the high craft. It's not about its craftsmanship. It's about kind of the, the image and the propelling of the idea of the image. And I think that that's something that's really integral to how I'm thinking about this show is that it's not just about being well-crafted. It's about what is being said with the work. I find myself continuing to think about the fruit baskets and Caravaggio's paintings that were intentionally imperfect and beautifully painted, but rotting fruit or decaying leaves 
and this all of the, all of this work seems to be sort of following that that thread in a way of the the beautiful craft combined with the real world, whether it's an idea that we need to be reminded of in the case of Jose's work or the labor behind the craft or the humor or absolutely totally 100% where I was and so to full disclosure this all starts because a few years ago I was doing a body of work that was about kind of that that moment of turn and so like going from being something that was useful to being something that was without use Um, and so I was kind of exploring for a long time the ideas of lemons and like the the imagery of a lemon and what it offered in like a, a composition and so what it could tell the viewer about where your mental space is so I I, I think I've just been kind of in my brain thinking about the idea and that that moment between being overabundant and skeletal and I know that those seem contrasting, but at the same time, I think we all within this work where all of the artists are thinking about that moment when it stops being ripe. And I, yeah, and, and it stops being something that you want to interact with. And so I, I do think all of the artists are considering that within their own work. And that actually brings me to Joanna Powell's Still Life Vases. So Joanna's using very traditional techniques within her ceramic building. So they're all hand-built. She's using really beautiful, gloopy glazes and painting on top of these surfaces in a very gestural way. And all of her pieces that we have are employing lemons in her work. And so those lemons, as as a moment in her still life, is she's definitely considering womanhood within her within her work she's thinking about beauty and within those concepts I think she's trying to explore value systems within the work and so her still lives are on one hand beautiful the gesture of them the forms of them the glaze is all completely beautiful but the the construction is where you start to slow down and consider them a little bit longer than you might if it were just a perfectly tightly constructed thing and I think that that construction is partially why those pieces are so captivating for me I know know that like when I'm when I'm exploring them it's partially that that glaze and all of that like the layered and like how like how thick it feels and it feels like a painted surface and in the best possible way but then the form itself is also equally captivating it's just really beautiful and it's funny that she's exploring beauty because I don't like personally I think it's so beautiful that I'm I'm kind of like well yeah like where's the exploration it just is but I think she I think she is trying to push like what is beautiful and what is um, classically beautiful and why is it beautiful yeah they are it's interesting that you know you were saying that she's exploring what it means to be a woman they are very feminine but they are 
again, to kind of, I don't know why this is on my mind. I think it's all the, the fruits and everything, but to go back to sort of classical, you know, Renaissance, I mean, it's not a Botticelli form of, of a beautiful woman, you know, but it is because it's, they're so beautifully painted and so beautifully constructed. And, and they have that, that feel of like fine ceramics and, and the form is also very beautiful, but it's not, I don't know, this is, this is going to make it sound like they're not beautiful, but they are. They're sort of of lumpy. Yeah. I see what, you know, I understand how she is sort of pushing on that idea of beauty in sort of this opposite way as Zuela talking about, you know, the peaches and this beautiful, luscious, over-exaggerated peach emoji that can be a shorthand for other, you know, for parts of women's bodies, but unrealistically. And it's sort of a stand in in its own way in certain uses for that unrealistic standard of female beauty and in pop culture. And yeah, yeah. One of the things that I keep thinking about with this particular grouping of artists is it's, it's always funny to me, like after I've invited them, as I start to receive their statements and bios, and it's really interesting to me to see where the overlaps continue. They, you know, cause they start visually, obviously. And then what, uh, of course there would be ties that would be beyond that. But um, I, I think that that's one of the things that I love about all of the artists that are present here is that they're all looking for that kind of metaphor to continue the discussion after you've kind of digested its initial narrative. They're all very profound in their own Mm -hmm. way. That's why I love coming to visit you in person. So that leads me to ask if you could tell us about Alma's and how we can come and visit. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I'd love to. So I am open all the time. No, I'm just kidding. I'm open Wednesday through Sunday, 11 to 6. That said, I love doing personal visits and opening for people who don't feel comfortable to come in during regular hours. And people are always shy to ask, but um, I live right around the corner. So it really is super easy for me. (laughs) Um, And so I, I really am open whenever you need me to be. And we are doing every Saturday between now and Christmas, we're doing local love holiday markets where I've invited some local artists to participate and try and kind of celebrate the season with gifting in mind and thinking about price points, keeping gifting in mind, and also offering people an opportunity and access to keep their money in Richmond, Virginia <laughs> when they're when they're holiday shopping. I know there's a lot of places that are doing really similarly concepts, uh, but I I think one of the things that I try and do is make sure that that there's a thematic relationship between what's going on in the gallery and what's going on with all of our programming. It all has a tie to craft. It all has a relationship to the handmade. One of the things I love about craft that I always loved about craft is that it can be at the same time utilitarian and (laughs) profound at the same time. And I like that is what my entire graduate thesis is about. And so that idea of this blended kind of understanding of work is something that has been dear to me for a long time. So I I do not differentiate or 
like offer a hierarchy system to what it is people are interacting with. And I really want there to be access points for a lot of different people who are coming in and maybe for the first time considering craft and what craft is. And so I want it to be very accessible. And in some cases that means a price point that's affordable. And in other cases that just means something that they can relate to and they can understand how that would live in their home. Cause I think that that's the, that's the gateway for craft is something that you live with that you use every day that brings you meaning and it doesn't have to be expensive to do that this show will be on view in its completed state until the 19th of december sarah miser at alma's gallery thank you so much for being with me today on the look podcast thank you for having me